0: Hi, Dr. B here with a new product discovery that I am very excited to be using now in my daily regimen. Probably the most undervalued aspect of oral health boils down to the health of our saliva, and hydration plays a huge role in our body's ability to produce saliva. The oral biofilm, which supports the oral microbiome, experiences dynamic cycles of de- and rehydration due to our choices of beverages, medications we are taking, and even to how we breathe. And for our saliva glands to produce enough saliva, about a liter and a half a day, the body has to be adequately hydrated. After all, saliva is 99.5% water. Saliva also contains sodium, potassium, and magnesium, which activates the saliva and allows it to do its job, and that is to support the oral microbiome. This is why I add these exact minerals in a very specific ratio to my drinking water daily. And the best way I have found to accomplish this is by adding a packet of Element. Make sure your saliva is available to function at its best. Go to the link drinklmnt.com. Slash ask the dentist for a free gift and a chance to sample all of Element's flavor choices. Staying hydrated isn't just about body health, or for athletes; it's also for anyone that wants to achieve long-lasting oral health and a healthy and vibrant smile. Again, the link to easy and optimal hydration is drinklmnt.com/slash ask the dentist. Did you know that there is one phase of sleep that almost everyone fails to get enough of? And this one phase of sleep is responsible for body's daily rejuvenation and repair, better control of appetite and weight loss hormones, boosting energy, and so much more. The stage I'm referring to is deep sleep. This is something my wife and I measure personally every night with our sleep, And it's one of my greatest concerns with my sleep medicine patients, and it's a marker I follow when treating them. If you don't get enough of this kind of sleep, you'll likely struggle with cravings, slow metabolism, premature aging, brain fog, cognitive decline. Only deep sleep deep cleans the brain every night. And why don't we get enough of this essential phase of sleep? One main reason is magnesium deficiency. Over 80% of the population is deficient in magnesium. Magnesium increases GABA, which encourages relaxation on a cellular level, which is critical for sleep. Magnesium also plays a key role in regulating your body's stress response system. But not all magnesium supplements are equal. Most have only one to two forms of magnesium. The reality is is that your body needs all seven forms of this essential mineral. This is why I recommend and use BiOptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough. It contains all seven forms of magnesium that helps to calm your mind. It helps you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. And most importantly, it allows you to attain that essential stage, deep sleep. BiOptimizer's Black Friday Mega Sale is happening right now. And lasting throughout the entire month of November, the biggest discount you can get and amazing gifts with purchase are available only on my page, the askthedentist Use the code Ask the Dentist again, byoptimizers.com/askthedentist. So we're back. Dr. Stacy and I are on to part two. Stacy, you are in the desert. I am good. So, today we're going to talk about part two. This is the hydroxyapatite series. Last week, we spoke about what is it, um, and that was a pretty simple topic. Today is probably our beefiest chapter on on hydroxyapatite, how does it work. Next week will be, or later, actually within the same week, uh, maybe a few days after this one, it will be more about safety. That's That's a pretty... Difficult to- topic to handle, but this is probably the the meat of the of the discussion, and it, it's also very very important. And uh, there are a lot of dentists that really will be listening because they don't understand how it does work. Although you were just, we were just talking offline earlier. Uh, uh, you were talking to some IFM dentists, as you are. You are one of the few. Uh, uh, Functional medicine, trained dentists, uh, there's a lot of interest now in the mechanism of how this works, and that is because they've seen it work. They've been using products that we've recommended for quite a while now, probably four or five years, and they're seeing efficacy. And in fact, their minds are being blown. They really are. And this this was uh, during one of your seminars, and it was uh, not on the seminar, but I guess before or after you were speaking to them, they pointed out that this stuff works. Of course, you knew that, right?
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I've been seeing it clinically for years, yeah, right. and and just continuing to improve as I think the brands are improving too. Right. Um, but it's nice to see some of my functional medicine and dental colleagues starting to see clinical results as well, and really feeling confident that they can one hundred percent move away from fluoride right. and have even better. Efficacy and outcomes for their patients, which again, yes, right. I've been seeing that for many right. years. And but... without
0: being exposed to fluoride, isn't that wonderful exactly. that we have this yeah. replacement? So, so let's talk about how it works. We should start off again with a just a short discussion on the differences between nano and micro. Nano is under hundred nanometers. It's a small. It's a smaller product. It is made. They take the microparticles, which are over 100 nanometers, and they process them down to a smaller size. That is the only difference, although uh, there are different sizes and different particle types. And we've talked about which one we'd like. We're going to talk more about that in the next chapter about safety. So, mm-hmm. so how does hydroxyapatite uh, uh, actually remineralize teeth? And we know that it's what's in teeth, it's in saliva, it's a mineral, it's calcium. How does it actually bond onto a tooth surface? Does it just happen all the time? Does it happen certain times of the day? It typically happens. Here, here's the answer to that in one sentence. It happens at a critical pH level. In other words, it occurs only when the pH in the mouth drops to a, a lower acidic level. So when when I say lower pH, we're talking about more acidic and that critical pH has been long known. We've known that with fluoride remineralization, that that critical pH is actually a little bit lower. But with hydroxyapatite, it's higher. But when, when does a tooth demineralize? And that usually happens at around, I mean, for, for, for dentin, which is the root structure of the tooth, it happens at around 6.4. Again, neutral being seven. So the the resting state of the pH of saliva is around 7 it can drop to 6.8 6.9 but if it drops below 6.4 there in dentin in the root structure of the tooth there is dissolution in other words there's it's an acidic enough environment where calcium is being dissolved out of this hard uh structure called the tooth and it's a little bit lower more acidic for enamel what is it uh Stacy it's uh, 5.6
1: Yeah. So between 4.5 and 5.5 is when, you know, the biofilm will start producing acids from Mm -hmm. sugar or flour. I always like to say flour now consumption, just from an educational standpoint, which is why, you know, hydroxyapatite's critical pH is 5.5 and fluorapatite is 4.5. So hydroxyapatite, really, if you look at the, the mechanism of action of our, of our bacteria, it really is at an optimal state before it starts dropping into a level where these bacteria might produce acid. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the, one of the controversies of the quote unquote anti-fluoride movement is that fluoride, you really need to be in a more acidic state for it to be efficacious. Right. And so long term, if you're using products that are this lower pH, what is that doing Um, to the to your oral microbiome and then just to your enamel as well
0: in fact toothpaste that contain uh fluoride tend to be more acidic because they want you they they want to drop that critical ph which is not a good idea um the good news is that uh dissolution may occur at a higher critical ph with hydroxyapatite in other words the Mm the the calcium is coming out of the tooth at a pH of 5.5 but that means you can make a more neutral toothpaste and then as soon as it uh, the critical pH recovers and it goes beyond that remineralization starts occurring and yep. uh, that's for enamel it would be higher with uh, with dentin but but the pH is really and again critical pH but critical pH is a condition is that is that movement past uh, a neutral pH and and pH rarely goes into the alkaline. Uh, you could drink a lot of alkaline water and that's not really going to move the needle. But when you've got, when you're eating flour, crackers, candy, sugar, processed foods, um, these bacteria in the oral microbiome, in the biofilm are consuming this food. And that's where the acid comes from. It's a byproduct of the metabolism of that meal that they're having, the meal you're having, same meal that they're having at the same time. And you're producing a lot of acid. So, Unless you're eating raw carrots, you're always, there's always going to be a, an acid attack. So the question is, is how low do you go and what are you remineralizing with? Uh, that's very, very important. Very interesting fact. Just want to add this. Um, uh, the critical pH for children is actually higher. So they actually at a, at a higher pH, in other words, closer to neutral, uh, they start Demineralizing In other words, they're getting cavities sooner and at a higher pH. And that's probably why kids are getting yes. cavities more than adults, which. Yeah,
1: we know the enamel of primary teeth, it's a totally different beast than the enamel of permanent teeth. And anyone who works on primary teeth will tell you that just the way it feels if you're, you know, drilling it or lasering it, it's just less mineralized. Right. And so it does break down and degrade much, much faster. Um, partly why cavities are still the number one chronic disease in children because they are being exposed to so many sugars and flowers. But I will tell you the hydroxyapatite kids in my office, I mean, they come in and they look so healthy and it's not just Mm -hmm. their teeth, but it's their saliva, it's their mucosa. You can just tell clinically after seeing so many children their oral microbiome is more balanced and what's really wonderful about hydroxyapatite is that it does support the oral microbiome and it modulates the biofilm mm-hmm. something that that fluoride does not do fluoride is antimicrobial um, and so it is affecting commensal bacteria you know and to what extent that's the debate but so many patients will switch to hydroxyapatite and just even self-report that they feel healthier their teeth feel stronger they their gums feel healthier and it has to do with this biofilm modulation that hydroxyapatite can af- can influence as well.
0: Right. So in in just in summary critical pH the lower the pH, in other words more acidic, the higher the concentration of calcium and phosphate is required to reach saturation with respect to hydroxyapatite. This is called the critical pH. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an equilibrium point and it's very it's important to have the this discussion because it's the basis for what we're going to talk about next, which is um, the integrity of the saliva in terms of this ionic mix of minerals. We're going to get into that in a minute. but but um, it's it's an important discussion because dentistry is long known about this and we've talked about it, but we kind of skim over it real quickly. And we we just take for granted that A, we're all going to be eating a crappy diet, we're all going to be demineralizing our teeth after every single meal, and that fluoride's going to come in and fix this. And that is other than fluoride being a neurotoxin and affecting our brains, uh, it really is not the discussion that should be discussed. It should be more about an understanding of how to buffer that or or to minimize that critical age, drop into those zones less in other words don't snack all day long and and uh, and prevent the equilibrium to you know from fixing itself uh in other words if we're snacking all day long mm-hmm. the body can't catch up it cannot remineralize itself so yeah. uh, that's the discussion that functional dentistry should is is having but mainstream dentistry doesn't seem to really focus on so okay ionic integrity um what is ionic integrity? It is a term that I think I've seen in print uh but it's important that the components of saliva in this case uh, for remineralization, which is a mix of minerals and in fact, that's what saliva's been re- referred to it's a super saturated solution mm-hmm. of minerals and it's it's is standing by as a uh kind of a storage unit um Like a gas tank and it keeps the engine running. And when that critical pH drops and all of a sudden that equilibrium is, is, is present where ions are leaving the tooth, um, we want a lot of ions. These are positively, um, sorry, uh, they're, they're charged ions. These are minerals that have a, A charge to them, they are present in saliva so that when the critical pH goes back beyond that equilibrium, closer to neutral, all of a sudden, all these minerals are being pulled in by the biofilm and fixing and repairing the tooth. That's what needs to be there. If those minerals are not present or if the consistency of the saliva, again, this is that integrity, that ionic integrity or the mineral Uh, the minerality of, uh, to use a a wine term, the minerality of saliva is very, very important. So if you're, um, dehydrated or if you don't, if you're not getting enough minerals or electrolytes in your diet, you won't have that backup system, that reservoir of products of, of minerals to help remineralize your teeth. So that's what we refer to as ionic integrity. There are lots of studies on it. Uh, we've posted them. We'll, we'll, uh, I'd like to put them on our uh hydroxyapatite uh database, probably in a separate folder because it, it is very closely tied into it. Uh again, saliva is a supersaturated solution of hydroxyapatite in micro in its micro version, typically, uh, which can break down to nanoparticles to smaller particles. Again, when it dissolves, it is taken up by the tooth. Bacteria are actually processing this and laying it down and putting it into these defects, which occur pretty much after every single meal.
1: And what's great with the nano, again, going back to the size of the particle, is that the nanoparticles can actually get into the tubules, which are the Mm. smaller, almost think of like little pinpoint holes that travel through your tooth. They can actually get inside of them and then start to occlude and block them and and resurface them. But we need to remember... We have a hydroxyapatite already in our saliva. We have calcium and phosphorus in our saliva. What these toothpastes are doing are supercharging your saliva because, as Mark mentioned, so many of us are mineral deficient. So many of us are dehydrated, um, and that is just the modern world, you know, unless we're eating carrots, as you said, which we're not, you know, we are probably out of balance. And the way that we're eating snack foods and processed foods and, and sipping and snacking all day, we really want to supercharge our saliva. Just like now we know many of us need to take trace minerals and magnesium systemically because we're mineral deficient. Our saliva is also mineral deficient. And so how can we supercharge that? It's with these products. Um, and so it's pretty cool. And, you know, be, like the basic chemistry with ionic integrity, as Mark mentioned, is opposites attract you know Mm -hmm. so we want positively charged ions and negatively charged ions and you know they interact and they balance each other Um, and we all need a little lift these days because of the modern diet and so that is where nano and micro hydroxyapatite come in
0: and this is a system that the body has in place for a long time the system is overcome when we're working hard or providing for a lot of demineralization, mm-hmm. and that's the key. You want to, you, you don't want that to appear too often. Uh, snacking all the time on sports bars and and crackers essentially is what takes us down. Um, it's it's really time spent under under that below that critical pH. So again, ionic integrity. You you can have a a, a well functioning um, oral microbiome. You can have the optimal biofilm. Uh, your pH and saliva is is fine, but if you don't have that, the degree of concentration, that supersaturated solution of just not just calcium, but phosphorus, boron, mm-hmm. all sorts mm-hmm. of other minerals, magnesium, these are the building blocks. This is the integrity. This is that ionic integrity. If it's not there, remineralization will not occur. You need it.
1: There's something that we teach at my office and we can link um, some images in the show notes too, but it's the stefan curve or mm-hmm. this i don't i don't know how to Stefan on curve. on yeah. okay yeah. we show this it's a wonderful visual of what is i ideal and optimal eating drinking and to maintain that remineralization demineralization cycle that will happen anytime you put anything but water in your mouth mm-hmm. Versus what actually happens to most of us on a daily basis, because we're sipping on our lattes, and we're snacking on crackers, and we're just overeating. We're putting things in our mouths too frequently, which is keeping us in a state of constant demineralization or acidity. Um, and so, you know, you and I believe hydroxyapatite is an absolute wonder and magic, but unless we also correct some of these habits and eating frequencies you know, you're probably still going to be out of balance. And then functional medicine providers will tell you how important it is to eat less frequently and more on a schedule for gut health, too, because it's all in digestion. And we need to be giving our guts a break. and They need to rest, rest and digest. Mm -hmm. So it's the same with your mouth. You need to give it time to rest. You need to give it time for your saliva to work optimally and actually raise that pH again and remineralize your teeth. And this is where hydroxyapatite comes in is again, it's supercharging your saliva. So, and it really clinically is incredible.
0: Yeah. Our ancestors did just fine. And Mm. their Stefan curve looked way better than our Stefan curve does right now. And that's because Mm -hmm. they didn't have the luxury of being able to snack. And if they did snack, it was typically a a piece of goat meat that was (laughs) underneath their saddle that was being tenderized, or it was a fermented, Mm uh goat milk or you know that that kind of thing. So um mm-hmm. they they didn't have to worry as much. Uh let's talk about uh fluoride. Um let's yes. comp- so so hydroxyapatite and fluoride they're mm-hmm. both negatively charged. Uh you can put you can ingest fluoride. Fluoride is present in saliva if the child is taking fluoride supplements.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh it
0: can also be present in your bloodstream if you're uh ingesting fluoride. These but are but let's good.
1: let's point out it's not normally present exactly. in the human it's not body. a nutrient
0: it's not, not an essential a, nutrient no
1: one's fluoride deficient
0: right somehow uh there was a dentist in Colorado back in the 30s or 40s and mm-hmm. then the industry the profession got behind it uh, just via just by making Obs- a few, it was observational. observational. Yeah, mm-hmm. it um, wouldn't
1: pass. It would not pass evidence-based medicine and research right now. Right. No, it exactly. would not.
0: No. But we we've stood behind this as a profession, which was a big mistake, and I think that's going to become clear in the next <laughs> few months uh, based on this lawsuit against the EPA. But uh but anyway, fluoride does work. I mean, we're not going to deny that it is a. It has that that. Opposite charge that when the tooth is demineralized, mm-hmm. uh, there is an ionic attraction, uh, cationic and, um, uh, that does happen, but it happens at a lower critical pH. So, mm-hmm. uh, the problem is, is that when fluoride does become incorporated into the tooth structure, it doesn't penetrate as deeply as a nanoparticle will. Uh, it is not biomimetic. In other words, there's no tooth in the world before we introduced fluoride that has fluoride in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with our bones. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, when it does become incorporated into the tooth structure, it is brittle. It is, has a wavy uh, surface uh, structure to it. Yeah. It's brittle. Um, it, it's just not natural. And although it does, again, if you throw anything into saliva that has the opposite charge of what the tooth does during that demineralization phase... It's going to get attracted in there. We, we could take a radioactive ion and, and pull it into the tooth structure. In fact, that's been done. They do that in studies sometimes mm-hmm. to see how things get past membranes and biofilms and all that. That's not desirable. Why wouldn't we want to take something that is already in the tooth structure, something that what we call biomimetic, something that's natural? That's what the body makes a tooth from. Yeah. Is hydroxyapatite? Calcium. Yeah,
1: ninety-seven percent of our enamel right. is hydroxyapatite. Zero percent right. is naturally flora appetite, which is what happens when you uh, incorporate fluoride into the saliva or to the tooth structure. So it creates right. a Franken structure, if you will. <laughs> uh, it's tooth. it's yeah. So it's called flora appetite, but this again, it's not natural. Mm -hmm. And so while it may quote unquote work and make the teeth more acid resistant, the big Mm -hmm. question is at what cost? And what are these what are these ions, these fluoridines, doing in the rest of the body? Because it Mm -hmm. is the most electronegatively charged um, ion element out there. And so it will it will compete with other things. And the big controversy is like iodine, so thyroid health and and if it is making our enamel structure different and wavy and weaker, well, then what is it doing in our bones? And right. so this is where some of the studies have shown skeletal fluorosis or bone fragility. This is where if we get too much, we have fluorosis, which right. truly is the enamel is defective and deficient. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, neurotoxicity, too. And so right. the brain. from a functional standpoint, you can say, OK, yeah, fluoride makes teeth, quote unquote, stronger, more acid resistant. Maybe it helps arrest or reverse cavities. But if you take a step back, at what cost? And you really need to, we need to be looking systemically beyond the tooth. And this is where I think dentistry has failed is we're so hyper focused on teeth. Mm -hmm. We're not looking at the whole body and the whole child. And I've heard you say this before, Mark, and I've borrowed it. I hope you don't mind. But you know, we only have one chance to develop a brain and a child. I can't fix their brain development if something goes awry. Now, we know there's neuroplasticity, thank goodness, and Mm -hmm. there are ways to maybe course correct to some degree, but, you know, I can fix a cavity in a baby tooth, Mm -hmm. but I don't need to because now there's a replacement Mm -hmm. that's biomimetic hydroxyapatite. And what I mean by that, of course, we're still going to have cavities, but it's not like saying we sh- don't recommend fluoride. Now there's no alternative. There is an alternative. It's mm-hmm. better. It's biomimetic. It's It's what our bodies already have in it. It's safe to swallow. It works just as well. Studies are showing it's outperforming. Clinicians across the globe are commenting on how incredible, particularly nanohydroxyapatite is in their patients with early and even mid-range decay. Mm -hmm. So it just seems like a no-brainer. And so just trying to be an open-minded to this research and actually sitting down and I'm obviously speaking to any colleagues listening just like sit down for an hour or two one Sunday afternoon and read the new studies. Mm-hmm. These are studies you were not exposed to in dental school. I went to dental school 20 years ago. It's hard to even say that I mean time goes so fast. <laughs> Things have changed, thank no. goodness. In two decades, science has changed. Yes, that's that's the whole definition. Yeah, it of doesn't science. make
0: sense. Just in review, uh for something to uh, fluoride can outcompete the natural product, uh, which is in saliva, some calcium, and because it's more electronegative, in other words, it has an extra electron on it, and when that demineralized char uh, site. Sees uh, minerals, it's going to grab the one that is uh, more attracted to that site. So you're replacing it with something that the tooth really needs, and and that's sad. Not to mention, as you said, the you know the effects to bone density and hip fractures and and brain health, and mm-hmm. especially in the developing brain. So we're so,
1: learning more and more. I mean, yeah. there's some studies showing that it affects vitamin D conversion and bioavailability. So right. I mean, it's doing a lot uh-huh. of tomorrow yeah. 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 So should we talk about percentages, which is so confusing?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've talked about particle size. Um, yep. We're pretty clear on that. Uh, although I think we've mentioned before, uh, the EU is may redefine particle size. But I think mm-hmm. everyone knows what nano is. Nano is a manufactured product. Not that they're making the calcium from scratch, they're just making it smaller. Um, but yeah, let's talk about... Um,
1: Therapeutic dose.
0: Therapeutic dose, or the efficacy. Uh, so therapeutic dose. Yeah.
1: I'm going to be the first to admit that I misinterpreted the data years ago, and you and I have talked about this. Yeah, I think boy, we Boy, have we talked about this? I mean, mm-hmm. we might be guilty of some of this misinformation. Right. So we use used to tell, oh, it has to be ten percent. No, actually, it needs to be fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. This is speaking of nano. Right. Well. This all goes back really to one study in particular, now there's a couple, that shows it's comparing hydroxyapatite, just hydroxyapatite is what's in the the study, to fluoride. And it it concludes it needs to be 10% to be as efficacious. Well, you and I dug into this and Mm. we said, well, what type of hydroxyapatite? Is it nano? Is it micro? So we reached out to the authors of these studies to say, what the heck's going on? There's There are brands and providers out there who are stating, and again, I used to do this too, so no judgment, mm-hmm. that you have to have 10% nanohydroxyapatite to be efficacious based on this study. And I know that they're citing the same study. We've reached out to the author. They were using micro-clustered hydroxyapatite. Mm-hmm. It's not nano. It's essentially a micro version. Right. And the other issue with this study, it was being compared to an extremely low dose of fluoride. Mm-hmm. It was 500 parts per million.
0: That was shocking, yeah.
1: Which actually fluoride uh, in toothpaste is 1,200 parts per million. Right. So, of course, a 10% micro-hydroxyapatite is going to you know, outperform such a low dose of fluoride. Right. So let's like actually look at the nano research. So we have befriended many in this realm, researchers, manufacturers, essentially nano experts and the studies, there are white papers and we will link them all. It says you need one to 3% nano hydroxyapatite final concentration in your product to and be That's all mixed up,
0: right final. This is
1: the other issue (laughs) is you start and it's so hard to verbalize this. And we're going to help soon with a visual on this, but Mm -hmm. because I'm a visual learner, but so many people are claiming these extremely high doses, but are they talking about the initial solution? Or you could say powder that was used to create the final product. So I can take a 15.5% starter solution of nanohydroxyapatite, but by the time I add it to my toothpaste and I add water and I add xylitol and I add this and that other ingredient, well, that's going to get diluted down to, we hope, between 1% and 3% final nano concentration. So a lot of companies are saying, we use 15% nanohydroxyapatite or they're saying that's, that it's it's confusing it seems like that's what's in their final product but that's what they started with what is, you want to know as a consumer what is the final concentration of hydroxyapatite in that end product and i will tell you quality nano hydroxyapatite which we'll get more into this next episode mm-hmm. it's very expensive. It's very expensive. And so we can, you and I Mark we can tell by looking at the price point of some of these products right. that we don't think they're expressing their percentages accurately and or they're using a substandard form of hydroxyapatite.
0: And it's probably and, not malicious. I mean no, we're not absolutely saying not. that. Absolutely because not. we were confused for a long time yes. uh, or not well informed and it takes a lot of well, when you reached out to the uh, the researcher, which I thought was a real baller move, I thought that was great. Uh, he said, what, no
1: one, by the way, I will say.
0: Yep, no one, yep. No that's one what I wanted you to say.
1: has ever contacted him about his study before. And right. I'm shocked because there are people talking about his about study it. and using yep. it as in their branding and marketing. And, you know, the studies are using Carex which is out of Germany mm-hmm. and that is a microcluster micro. form. Yep. And they conveniently claim that their microclusters break into nanoparticles when they want to. And then other times they say, no, they don't, mm-hmm. they don't. So right. anyway, it's it's basically everyone we've spoken to, the research we've done, that's a micro product. So the 10% claim that is that study is referencing microhydroxyapatite right, right. and the white papers are showing mm-hmm. 1 to 3%, which those are what the brands we you and I have been recommending for years are using. Right. So if anyone's bashing a brand because they're only using 2%, you know, that is efficacious actually right. based on research. This is the research.
0: a classic example of quality as opposed to quantity and Mm -hmm. the reason we're talking about this it's important to remember that nano works better deeper penetrates more deeply does a better job of remineralizing teeth and desensitizing the porous root structures of your
1: teeth and whitening
0: and whitening and And does the micro and and so if you're looking at 10 percent micro who cares i would rather have less nano at, at, at the therapeutic dose mm-hmm. um, or a mixture. Uh, micro has its place, but it's not really in remineralization. It acts for... It's great at ionic integrity, at providing for ionic integrity.
1: I, I think if, having both is optimal. Yeah, right. But as a clinician... Having dug into this research now, mm-hmm. how long have we been doing this, Mark? Like two uh, years? Two we've years been doing, at least. I mean, at least. Right. Like when right. we've been actively talking right. about it, we've been waiting to do these podcasts mm-hmm. for literally over a year because right. we wanted to make sure we fully understood. Right. We spoke to the right experts. We spoke to the researchers. Um, But I, I we're very pro-nano. And we're going to mm-hmm. get more into that in episode three because I still know safety. there's...
0: Right.
1: It's a safety concern out there, which I, I hope... We dispute that for you. It, it, this is a very United States centric conversation. We speak mm-hmm. to colleagues in other parts of the world and they're just shaking their head and saying, wait, what? No, nanoparticles, again, quality mm-hmm. are extremely efficacious, w- much more efficacious than microparticles. Right. There's, there's no room for debate and they're safe. There's no cytotoxicity, you know, all, the, all of these claims that we'll get into on right. um, so because, I think
0: in summary, just make sure that whatever toothpaste you're using that the claims that they're making are scientifically grounded that they understand the data again it's very confusing um, but remember it's not always about the amount in life in, in mm-hmm. general right yeah it's about the quality how it's delivered we're going to talk more about that in the next chapter uh, mm-hmm. there is one version of the nano that isn't just a powder it is a very specifically formulated globule fluid. Mm-hmm. Fluid-like globule uh, that is great at staying in saliva, and then ha- and then releasing its its active ingredient, which is the the nano hydroxyapatite, a piece of calcium that is perfect for remineralizing the teeth. So it's really about the delivery mechanism. It's about the reputation. It's also about who considers it to be safe. There are certain types, uh, not only size. I think it's more about particle type. You know again needle shape doesn't sound very appealing it feels it sounds like it can get caught in tissue and but this stuff dissolves there is a safer size not size but particle type
1: shape and shape, shape we and shape want, yeah we want broad yeah. shape not needle broad
0: shape. shape so so really <laughs> don't go based if you're comparing two or three different types of toothpaste and uh if one has fluoride in it drop that right away of course but if you're comparing between the strength or the claimed strength of of, uh, of a nano, or just even if it just mentions hydroxyapatite, be very, very careful. There's more to it than that.
1: Yeah, and we, we sorry to interrupt, but... Oh, no problem. Someone explained this to me, or someone said this and it really stuck. I like the way they described it. So it's, we know with supplements, there's very high quality supplements that are bioavailable and that work. Right. And then there are ones that are basically garbage, right? Yep. So if you yep. go into your local pharmacy and just pull off some supplements off the shelf—that's probably a waste of money. You yep. really need high-quality supplements. This is the same with hydroxyapatite um, and nano. They're all—they're apples and oranges out there. So mm-hmm. just blanketly saying nano hydroxyapatite is blank mm-hmm. is not fully understanding that quality matters. Right. Um, and again, we'll get into that more next time. So, okay. so the anyway. pH of the
0: toothpaste, the ionic integrity—how does that? Uh, nano live in saliva. How well is it bound up into suspension? How quickly can it precipitate out? Uh, And also it's not about percentage. It's about bioavailability. You could have much less of something. And if the uptake is much greater and more efficient than a toothpaste that has like four times as much, what's the better product? And that's Mm -hmm. what we're going to be fleshing out over the next few weeks. Uh, and that's what's important.
1: This was a lot. I hope everyone was able yeah, to hang with us. But we're we had to bit... talk about it.
0: So next time we're talking about safety. Safety. That's a, that is a big topic. Uh, we, we are well prepared. Again, mm-hmm. two years of research. Uh, but I think uh with the ruling of a very, uh very... Important uh, body in the EU, a bunch of scientists. We'll talk more about that. That has made it much easier for us, but we already were thinking that that was the one version of nano that they were going to approve. And we're very happy that they did because it just really allows all these brands and people that are concerned about anything that's nano. And we'll, we'll, we'll flesh that out in the next chapter. Why this is different. And when it comes to talking about nano, then it is hard particles that don't dissolve like metals. Uh, it allows the industry now, the toothpaste industry to really incorporate something that is much safer for our children. It's actually more effective when it comes to whitening, desensitizing, remineralizing teeth. Mm-hmm. This, this will allow the floodgates to open and hopefully people won't be too concerned about it. But, uh, nano hydroxyapatite, amazing stuff. Get that rid of fluoride. Amazing yep. that we can do that now. Uh Great. we've been we've been harping on fluoride for a long time, but without a replacement, it's kind of a, a tougher argument. Now it's simple. So we'll talk mm-hmm. more about that next time.
1: Love it. Thank Good. you, Dr. Brehenna.
0: Thank you, Dr. Stacy. This has been fun. Um, and we will definitely be talking more about this things as things develop. I mentioned earlier that there may be a a redefining of size and all that, but the good news is that these are very, very skilled scientists. We'll talk more about this group uh, in the next chapter, and the good news is that uh, we've got some great alternatives when it comes to toothpaste. Very excited. Chapter 3 coming up in the next few days. Stay tuned for it. Thank you. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Ask the Dentist. This is a resonant media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Mike Fry. Drop me a line at mark at askthedentist.com. If you have any comments or suggestions, I'd love to hear them. And if you liked this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast app. Thanks for listening and especially for taking an interest in oral health.
1: Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com slash directory and search or find a dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.